0: The events of the two readings that we read, as I said, happened in Jerusalem. Jerusalem for the Jews was the center of the world and at the heart of Jerusalem on the hill was the temple. The temple was, in a sense, the temple was a model of the universe because God lived in the middle of it. it, was the most important building in the world. God was at the heart of the temple on fire. There was the eternal flame that burnt in the temple all the time and when there were sacrifices happening as happened very regularly, for miles around you could see the column of smoke going up in the air. And the, There were priests whose whole, whole job was to keep the temple fires burning. It was huge. You could see it for miles around. It was on a hill. It was the center of everything. That's why there were people all over the, from all over the world in Jerusalem on the day of both these stories. So what? I mean, you might be interested in the history lesson about the temple, but how does that relate to Pentecost, which is supposed to be the birthday of the church? Well, the thing that links them, of course, is fire. The Acts reading says that they were sitting there and divided tongues, as if they were fire, appeared among them and a tongue rested on each of them. Fire is supposed to be in the temple. That's where God is present, that's where the priests are, that's where the whole system is designed to keep the fire going in the temple and here there's fire on everyone. Here it's escaped the temple. And not only that, but they hear the words that Peter and the other disciples are saying in their own languages from all across the world. No longer controlled by the priests in the special language of Hebrew, but everyone can hear it from anywhere. Something has happened in the story in the book of Acts. This is why Peter, when he gets up to preach, quotes the prophet Joel he could have quoted any number of prophets, any number of the stories from the Old Testament any of the Psalms, all the things that good Jewish men, and some women were allowed to, but good Jewish men learnt at the feet of their fathers he chose this reading and it says in the last days, God declares I will pour out my spirit on the temple no, not the temple On the priests. No, not the priests. On who? Everyone. All flesh. That's why Peter grabbed this reading. That's why this is the reading that came to his mind. Not in the temple, but everywhere. And it will change the world. Because your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Men and women shall prophesy. That's not right. There's a way of doing these things and women are supposed to keep silent and men are supposed to be the ones who speak this is chaos if you're going to let everybody experience the presence of God all gender divisions are ignored now we might think that's liberation and of course it is there's still parts of the church that are yet to catch up with that it is liberation and there's still parts of our community that are yet to catch up with that. It's still more difficult to earn, if you're a woman, the same salary as a man. We might, have seen, we might see it as liberation. They would have seen it as offensive and chaotic. Not only that, it said, your young men will see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Age seems to have disappeared too this is a very hierarchical age culture the older you were the more senior you were the wiser you were and of course we know that's true here don't we the older we get the wiser we get right i hope so because otherwise what's the point let's hope that's true but they had a very hierarchical culture in fact you in in some parts of the roman world you weren't really a, an adult male we didn't really care about the women. You weren't really an adult male till you were about thirty. Other than then, you never spoke any words out in public that were not given to you specifically by your father. And here, old men and young men together will experience an experience of God. Will be able to speak about the words of God. This is very bro- This is breaking things. This is very disturbing. And the same thing is happening in the John reading, because it takes place, the reading says, on the last day, the great day of the festival. And I said to you, this is the great festival. This is Christmas, Easter, all wrapped up in together. It's the big festival. If you were going to make it to Jerusalem for a festival in the year, or perhaps in your life, this was the one you would aim for. And on the last day, All through through the festival, every day, the priests would come out and do what would be called a, a water libation. They would pour water out and they would pray that now that the summer was ended in a very dry continent, not unlike ours, that if they prayed hard enough, the winter rains would come and that would guarantee the crop for the next year. So the priests would come every day and do this special water ceremony and everyone would pray and the, that the water would come. On the last day, the great day, they would do it seven times. So there's water everywhere. Water being splashed out by the priests, the special ritual, the ceremony that came from the temple. And then Jesus says this, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me. And let the one who believes in me drink. Right in the middle of a water ceremony, Jesus talks about water. And he doesn't talk about water coming from the temple in the special ritual. He says, it comes from me. He says, it's for anybody. Where does it come from, the temple? Well, yeah, that's what it's supposed to come from, but where does it come from? From Jesus. And who is it for? For everybody. And not only that, he then says something really strange. He says, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Water is gonna come from within us. To use our language, it might be, this is an unmediated experience of the divine, of God, of the meaning and purpose of the whole universe. That's what it's about. It's upsetting. It's not the way it's supposed to be. We know the way it's supposed to be, but this is upsetting. This is a change, a different way of doing. It. This is all systems gone. No more rules. This is, as Joel says and as Paul as Peter repeats, this is for all flesh, this is for everybody. Later on, when Peter's talking, he says, you know, God does not dwell in buildings made by human hands. He's quoting Isaiah. And a number of the prophets say this. You've built these extraordinary buildings. You've built the temple, which you think is the future, the, the, the center of the world, but God is not in there. Well, of course, God is there, but not only there. God's everywhere. It's not that God is not present in the temple, it's just that, You don't need a special building because God is present everywhere. Not only that, God is present in all the world. In the Uniting Church, we were talking about this the other night, we wrote a preamble to our constitution just recently in the last 20 years and what we said in it was we recognised that God was already at work in the lands we now call Australia long before Europeans turned up with copies of the Bible. Some in the church found that very difficult to accept. But it's what indigenous people have been telling us all along. God has already been always at work. There's no mediator needed between you and God anymore. That's why we say that all people have dignity and all people should be worthy of respect. God is alive in every human being. That's why we insist on justice. That's why the Hebrew scriptures go on about care for the orphan and the widow, the poor and the alien, people who can't get power for themselves. The world is not just a material place. People are not just pawns. Refugees who come to Australia are not just numbers. It's not good enough for us to say, well, we need to bring down inflation, therefore, well, unemployment's going to have to go up. That's just the way it is. We just have to throw some people on the scrap heap because, well, the economy has to be the economy. It's not good enough. That's not the world that God created. That is not the world that Peter speaks of. It's not the world that the first people in the book of Acts experienced at the moment of what we now call Pentecost. It's not the experience that Jesus gave people. Paul went even further when he was writing. He said, we, each of us are the temples of God." Just as the temple is raised up on the hill and should be looked at and admired, each of us is in a sense on a hill. Each of us is the light on the hill. Each of us has within us the eternal flame of our God-given humanity. It burns within us even when we don't recognize it. In the temple The fires were burning all the time. Whether you were there or not, whether you paid attention to it or not, it didn't matter, they were burning all the time. And that's what Paul means when he says, the light burns within you. It's burning all the time when when you recognize it and when you don't, when you ignore it and when you embrace it. It's there all the time, each person. The temple was a sacred place. When he went into the temple, you had to do certain things. You had to wash yourself. You had to be uh, clean and ready. Paul says, each of you is a sacred place. We approach each other as the element of God in the world. You, the people sitting next to you. It's hard to believe. We know each other, and we know ourselves. We know what we're capable of, what we ignore, we know all the negatives. But each of you is a sacred place. Each of you has rivers of living water flowing from you. That's what Jesus says. Each of you has that sacred flame that is burning, that appeared in a moment in the book of Acts and change the world. Each of you, all of us, are holy ground. It is the birthday of the church, Pentecost, but it's far more radical than that. It is a revolution of all humanity.